Welcome to Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders, and more. Hi, guys. Welcome to a new episode of Music Matters Podcast, where we talk about all things music. And today I have a special guest and a friend, um, Craig J. Snyder. Craig has had numerous hits on the dance uh, Billboard dance charts with his remixing and producing um, with many global artists that we're all familiar with. And uh, welcome, Craig. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me, man. We're, we're the two Craigs, because actually a lot of people know me as Craig. <laughs> I know, and, and I was I was introduced to you as Daryl, so I should call you Craig. That's all good. I've been called much worse. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how are you doing? You're in- call you, or I could call you Daryl Craig, I suppose. Well, there you go. Yeah, my other brother, Daryl. Uh, right. How is that? Uh, you're in Chicago, right? I am in Chicago, and it is a balmy 40 degrees. And raining. Not bad for Chicago in the in November. <laughs> right? Yeah, not too bad. Unbelievable. Uh, because um, three days ago it was like 55 and sunny, and I was working out on my deck and playing guitar on the porch. And um then this morning I woke up and it was in the 30s. It's all over the place. No yeah, longer. I know it's you get the you get the lake uh, lake effect right in the winter time. It's it's uh it's it's very chilly. <laughs> um, you're originally from Boston, is that correct? Yeah, born and raised there. Absolutely. Yeah. And New England Conservatory, all that kind of thing. Yeah, there was actually um, I was really lucky. I grew up in Newton, which is just outside of Boston, and there was a smaller music school there in an old converted mansion um called the all newton music school so that was my first my mom trotted me in there and um around four or five signed me up for lessons with someone and then they um i don't remember them just taking i remember them asking me a lot of questions and i had to sit down at the instrument because she said i had started to kind of self-teach myself so i i had that i have the strength i have these memories of this kind of older European woman sitting with me at the piano and it was really kind of dark giant grand piano just me and my little hands yeah it's sort of intimidating yeah yeah and then you know moved through a slew of different German piano teachers um and then uh once I got to high school age there were different at the time programs you could get involved in like I did I got involved in the jazz program New England Conservatory, which was really amazing in high school. Had a really cool, strong, small ensemble program I got involved in. And then I was taking piano lessons with a Berkeley guy named Mike Doner at the time, who's a Jackie Byer disciple. So um, I got a little taste of that culture. And yeah. um, and there's so many, I mean, in that era, I mean, Boston, well, in Chicago too, but in Boston, there's so many great musicians. I mean, obviously Berkeley's there too, but. Um, oh yeah. Such a great place. Yeah, there were there was so much music there. And in that era, um, it was really easy to sneak into clubs. So I, you know, every night I was in high school, I was sneaking in to see all these different acts. And as long as I paid the two drink minimum, they didn't seem to care. 
Yeah, so, I was doing the same thing in yeah. Orange County. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I used to sneak at uh, Bill Medley, actually, for the Righteous Brothers. I knew all of his guys, his band, and uh, he had a club called Medley's in, in Orange County. And I used to sneak in. You'd see everybody. And I was like 18, 17, 18 years old. It was it was so great to be exposed to all that, especially like a place like Boston. I mean, everybody in the world's coming through there, right? Well, and that's right. And it was just like a community, just like what you're describing. I mean, you know, everybody was there and you, you know, if it was a small community, um, you got to know other people and get to jam with people later on. And I was with a very, um, I was going to school with a really eclectic group of people. So, um, you know, we all kind of went out on moss and, and experienced everything from like really out there avant-garde jazz to you know, the, the current flavor of the Boston rock scene, which at the time was very, very robust. Yeah. And you had everybody in the world coming through there too, right? For guys coming in from New York and from Philly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, well, East Coast is so much more condensed, you know, so there's, yeah. just, there's a lot, you know, going from Boston to New York is three hours, right? Right. Yep. You know, as opposed to LA to Vegas is what, five exactly. hours? Yeah, in a car. <laughs> in a car. Yeah, and and being in Chicago, it's it's a plane. Period. Yeah, it's an what hour and a half thing, um, four hours daily. What was your first like professional gig? Like, how did that happen for you? Did it just sort of from the club thing, getting to know people, or? Um, you know, it was it was just probably like a lot of other, a lot of other kids. I just started playing for my peers. Hmm. So we 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 had you know I was in a band. Then we would set up and we would get paid to play at, you know, the little coffee shop or the little, you know, all ages. It wasn't called that at that point, but, you know, that was like the first, and it was very little money, you know, basically you're playing for the door, but right. that, yeah, like, you're, yeah. you're learning and you're learning songs. You're getting, yeah. getting to meet people. Exactly. And, exactly. Exactly. And we were playing really eclectic instrumental music, you know, so. Right. that's cool it was was heavy yeah and then were you getting were you already into production then were you starting to get the feeling to to get into that or no i was still fantasizing that i was either going to be the next great classical pianist or i was going to go chase jeff and harvey and keith actually keith Keith jarrett was my idol right um cole concert just Blew my sure. mind, changed my world. So you were like, a, you were a pretty big lover of jazz and that, and that huge lover of jazz yeah. and a huge lover of classical music, um, awesome. and and all the fusion stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I, I love what years? What years was was that? Like that was probably like in the middle of the heavy fusion thing in the seventies, right? Yeah, late seventies exactly. time frame. Yeah, so it was late. Yeah, so 70s. there's so much experimental stuff going on, and so much experimental stuff. And got in fact the guy. <laughs> The guy that was my mentor in the jazz tip, his name was Mark Harvey, and he's the Reverend Mark Harvey. He had a jazz ministry just down the street from New England Conservatory. He was a trumpet player, and he used to come and coach us up. And we were trying to play Weather Report and, you know, all that Jeff Beck stuff from Blow by Blow or, you know, whatever. Um, love, I mean, I love the rock stuff. And being from Boston, obviously, Aerosmith and Boston and Cars and all that stuff was yeah was there but you know i wasn't i wasn't drawn to trying to like sing and write songs at that point in time as much as i was really trying to to be um i was a guitar player and a keyboard player at the time oh okay. and because i started studying classical guitar at nine or ten right and i loved it but 
the the guitar players in my little scene were just so like beyond yeah. comprehension. Yeah. Um, I mean, because there's just everybody in the world is right there at Boston. Yeah, right? I mean, they're studying with the know, Berkeley guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even you know, even though we were in high school, I mean, I was playing with this kid when I was 16. I was playing with this kid, and I thought I was a decent guitar player. He who was a couple years younger, he had one of those ears where he could literally listen to anything, and yeah. and and grab it within a very short amount of time. Like a, so, a savant, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like he had like all the classic Hendrix solos down. He could cover, you know, uh, like all that Jeff Beck stuff, like note for note. It it was unbelievable. Yeah. He had a Les Paul, which right, you know, yeah, cost a fortune <laughs> in that era. Yeah, at the I time, you're like, that's like, oh, I had an Epiphone. You know, I didn't even I didn't even have a rig to compete. Yeah. So yeah. I just said, okay, I'm gonna just. I'll be the keyboard player because I had a Rose and I had a Whirly at the time. But you know what's great and, about that is is those guys, like when you meet them, no matter what instrument they play, they really push you to become a better musician, right? They kind yeah. of really amp up the level. And Well, we and, and we played all the time. We rehearsed all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's and, how you and, and that's And that's how you get, that's how you get better, um, and that's harder in this era for sure with young musicians that I've observed is, you know, that system of coming up by just playing hours and hours and hours a day right. with other people at different levels, right? Because that's kind of how you get better too, right? Because sometimes you're playing with people yeah. not as good. And then sometimes you're playing with people that you're just like, I don't even understand what's going on here. Right. And yeah. that's obviously you get better by playing more with those people, but you also learn stuff. Um in case in point, <laughs> so when I was, I think, I think I was a senior, I found the year of music school in college. Um, I was playing in a, you know, with, with my peers in a little jet, you know, in, in our little jazz program. We had a Northwestern here in Chicago. And this kid asked to come and sit in. He was a saxophone major. He's this tall kid from the Virgin Islands. And you um, were like, yeah, sure, you know, come on. And so he he sat in and, you know, I mean, he was just still trying to figure it out. He was really young and he was a classical saxophone major, which meant, you know, he was playing like the legit stuff really well. He was right, just yeah. trying to figure out how to improvise. A whole different world. <laughs> yeah. So, and so lo and behold, you know, fast forward to now, his name is Ron Blake. He plays in the Saturday Night Live band. Wow. He, yeah. he, he's like, you know, tours the world as a very successful tenor and Barry sax player with Christian McBride and that. Oh, whole wow. And he is, yeah, right. he is a badass motherfucker and he yeah. just plays his ass off. In fact, when he was in town a year ago, we got yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like you just have to, you have to like earn your, earn your, your stripes, right? You have to go through and, and figure it out and bang through and, and get, get through stuff. Finds, <laughs> yeah. Everyone finds their place at different times and you know sometimes you're leaping ahead and then sometimes you're waiting behind and um there's no rhyme or reason to it that everybody's kind of on their own journey and some people also are born with a little extra gear like my friend that i grew up with the guitar player who just had one of those ears where he could hear it and then it hit his hands but what was interesting about him is he never really evolved past that um 
you know, I went into the world and lost track of him, but, you know, he played in local bands and it didn't mean he was any less of a player, but he just didn't progress past a certain point. And then like to my point with Ron, who we were all like, yeah, sure, kid, you know, come and play with us. And he just <laughs> totally lapped us in that world, you know, because we- And all, what's funny is with that is you just never know, you know right? Like we, we've all had those stories, like the guys we met that we'd like, oh yeah, he was a nice guy. And all of a sudden he's on tour with whomever. Right. And you're like, wow. <laughs> right and sounds great and it's your head you know if, if you know if you're reasonably well adjusted you can be happy for other people and you know and, and cheer them exactly. on too as opposed to oh that motherfucker exactly yeah <laughs> and you, you um, get a lot so, of that too so yeah right so tell me tell me about um because you're you've actually had an enormous amount of success doing the remixing production um, I know that's a whole, I mean, there's a whole lot more people say remixer, but actually there's, there's a whole big thing with that, that goes along with that. Tell me how you got into that and how that kind of happened with the production end of things. Um, well, at the time, actually, you know, I've kind of, you know, the, the two tracks that I've had there at the same time that I was getting into that, um, I was making a really good living as a session musician in Chicago and started writing okay. music for commercials. When did you come to Chicago? Um, nineteen seventy nine. Okay. Yeah. Was it was it as a player playing with a band? No, I got um, accepted to the conservatory at Northwestern University oh, wow. for music. Yeah. Right. So, um, and my parents were. I wanted to leave Boston, and I was hoping to go to a Juilliard or a Manus or something like that. Sure. A really hard, hot, you know, core kind of classical thing. And they were like, "Nah, you're not going to music school. You have to go. You can." You can be a music major, but you have to go someplace that's also a really good university experience so right. that you have yeah. exposure to other people and, and other. And in retrospect, it was perfect for me. It was it worked out really well there yeah. um, in that regard. It was a great school and it was a very competitive music school. But it, um, anyways, so the way that that worked was I was actually um, on the board of Maris here on the Chicago chapter. And one of the, there was an engineer that I used to see all the time as a session keyboard player who said to me, hey, you know, there's this DJ, um, his name is Mark Picciotti and he's looking for someone to do his music. You know, he's really blowing up in that world, um, doing records for labels, doing remixes. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but okay. Because a lot of a lot of the DJs, they first start off just mixing other people's records, right? And then they've it seems like they've morphed into doing their own thing and they're finding their own music. Eventually, own eventually, right? But but initially, they're they're known in that world. You get known for playing in clubs and building, and you have an audience, and then right. from that you can spring to the larger venues or festivals or whatever. But, you know, you have a little bit of a name going and that's why a label will come to you or management will come to you to put your, your touch on what, what they're trying to, you know, accomplish, depending on the artist and, you know. Artists that they're, that they're working with, that they want to. Where they're going to break them, what they're going to do with them, et cetera. So um, I showed up and he had something he was doing. The very first thing that I worked on with him was a very classic um pet shop boy song called go west and it was about the migration of the gay community going to san francisco and i didn't know much about that culture at all so not only was it 
the first record I re, you know worked on as a remix, but I was you know getting dropped into the whole you know gay music scene, which I didn't know anything which, about. Which I, is gigantic, which, right? Which I came to learn was massive and was international right. Glo- globally. Yeah. 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 And it was like you know dance music to me was like what and you know, yeah, it was a whole. It was just different. a very different way of thinking. It's a different language. It's a different. There's a different paradigm for production to the way you mix. So it just literally from there, I got really lucky. That one record did really well, and so he was like, "Great!" And so I just started doing everything that he did, and we just kind of grew this thing together. And then I connected with another guy that's here, named Rafi Rosario, and I still work with both of these guys. Rafi is massive in that world. He was not- yeah, I've, and I, I just checked out a bunch of stuff that you did with him. Actually, I was on your um, your it's mixkitchen.com, right? That's the studio. Yeah, that's the studio website as well. Yeah, right. And I mean, there's some great. I mean, like you have the remix for you two on there. That's awesome. Yeah, with Lady Gaga. Di- di- yeah, Dido, uh, um, Katy Perry. I love that Dido song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I really, I, you know, and that's the thing. I haven't really, that's not really my world either, the whole DJ remix thing. But, man, I really dug, I, and I dug the the fresh approach. Like, oh, like we know we know a lot of those songs, but then you hear what you did with it. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, it, it's really, and it feels, it has a very global vibe, I guess I would say. Um, yeah. Is there is there a certain how, how do you approach that like when you're when you get approached by a group to do that to do that kind of a thing like what's what's your thought process how do you get into it? Um, if well you know if it's if there isn't a direction if someone doesn't say I'm looking for something very specific which more often than not is not the case but every once in a while okay. that's true. Yeah, um, are they kind of like let's let's see what you can come up with right see for us right right. Um, and I'm left to my druthers, I, I want to like take it to a whole other place. And so, you know, where like my jazz and my classical composition background comes in is for me, the big thing is, okay, I'm going to kick this song spot harmonically um, because I can't do anything with it melodically, but I can create a whole other world by just completely reworking how it works harmonically. Yeah, that's why I like that. Like that when you did with the U two uh, song. I'm sorry, what's the the name of the tune? Summer of Love. I should say. Um, yeah, I like that. I also the Beyonce tune. Um, I, I was like, I like, yeah, because the foundation's already there, but you're actually just you're really like re reworking what what they already did. Well, it's like being a jazz musician, did. right? It's yeah, like taking right, exactly, a standard, yeah. which right. you know I I had done ad nauseum, right? Playing in endless clubs for hours and hours and hours doing that that's how I, I mean that's how i supported myself at night was playing in jazz clubs at night and during the day doing commercial sessions like literally just working around the clock and all of that um background allowed me to take a song and look at the, the melody and go oh yeah well you know if it's major i can go to the relative minor or i can do right. go to something that's you know, depending on the, you know, the common tones, I might even push it a little and put it in the key. You wouldn't necessarily think you could. Yeah, um, just to get the tension. Just to get the tension and then and then the chorus go back to the original key. I mean, there were all sorts of things that I got to play with. And then the sounds that I picked and and yeah. the things that that you could not change in that world were obviously the melodies, the melody. Um, on the what they call the you know the the main the main version, and then you would do something called a dub where you would chop everything up 
And it was just, right, like it was, sort of a different animal, right? Yeah, exactly. It's much. It's it's a it's an early morning thing, you know, vibe. So it's just little snippets of vocals, mostly darker, more you know, harder music. But the main, the, but the big vocal records that that I was more known for being associated with were much more elaborate. And I would do string arrangements. I would do horn arrangements. Like, and if I had the budget, yeah, I bring in real, I bring in real players. Yeah, and you hear that on the mixkitchen.com site. You hear mm-hmm. all that coming into play on each on each tune. Like also, um, just like even like somebody like Dida who has a really interesting voice, you really compliment her voice with what you're doing. Like you're supporting what's there, but you're adding a whole another flavor that's really really exciting. Well, thanks. I was really proud of that remix. It didn't end up making it, which happens some, from time to time on the on the version that they released, but. I just, you know, I heard it. It was a much simpler production, it was just piano, a little bit of a beat, but with all those vocals. And I just really wanted to just make it be like this much more epic experience. And I got, and that was not for club. That was like doing an alternate radio version. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I mean, there's club versions, there's radio versions. Some of the club versions can go on for 20 minutes, right? I mean, just depending on what you're doing. Yeah. 20, but 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you also, um, I know you worked with uh, a lot with Tracy, who's Madonna's DJ. Tracy, um, what's Tracy's? Yeah, Tracy Young. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, tell me about that. Um, and how's how how did that come about? Um, so one of the guys that I work with, who's an agent in New York, called me up one day. He said, "Hey, um, you know, I'd love for you to come to lunch." And at the time, um, I was touring with David. And I was in I was in between things that we were doing, and I, think, I should mention actually I should mention because uh, we haven't talked about that, but you were with David Cassidy as a keyboard player for how many years with David? Um, well, we met in two thousand seven, but I met him as a producer, not as a keyboard player, because oh, I produced a record for him, and that's how we that's how we met, and he hired me to play for him much later. Yeah, but you play. How long did you end up playing with them? Because that's that's actually how we met originally. Was was on David's memorial. Concert. Yes, exactly. You and I played together in Saratoga. Um, you know, that's a really great question. I I want to say 2010. So I think I played with him for six or seven years. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look at it. Right. But I was doing guest spots with him right away, like after I oh, okay. after I produced the record. Um which was called David Cassie, the remix part two. There was no rock part one. So I'm not quite sure what that was about, but <laughs> a friend of mine who had the label, you know, thought, Oh, it'd be cool if we did it as a volume thing. I said, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause he had, I mean, he had so many great songs. I mean, that's, yeah. That's and, 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 you know, to his credit, I mean, he was very dubious at first, but you know, once we got into it and basically I followed him around the country and recorded his vocals in hotel rooms because he just didn't have time to do it. He was just so blown away that I could show up with a mic and a laptop because he hadn't experienced yeah. that before. And it was still right, a little yeah. early. I mean, now it's like do revert. But at the time I was doing it, it was still, I was a little on the earlier tip with it. Um, and um, he invited me to come um, debut the album in London with him. He flew me over. And we were going to do four songs from the album and, you know, p- partly play along with the tracks. Music right. director, who you know, Frank Gobbio, lovely, totally supportive, loved the idea of it because it broke the setup. 
Yeah. Um, friend, our friend Frank is a um was David Banlier for many years. He lives in Vegas. He's a bass player, yep. great bass player. Um anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and, a re- and a really good guitar player. And a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and a good guy. And was just awesome. Yeah. So um we did the sound check together. It went great. And he was like, you know, I want you on stage. Wow. I was like, okay. So they put it, they they did the they they opened their set. And we're at the Hammersmith Apollo in front of 2,500 people. Right. And he goes, I'd like to debut my, you know, this is my good friend, Craig J from, from the States or, you know, Chicago, blah, blah, blah. These are the new arrangements. And they, the keyboard comes up on the light and I sit behind there and we count it off and off we go. People loved it because it was like, you know, it was wow. dance. Yeah, it was fresh. It was fresh, right? Yeah, it was yeah. dance versions of his classic stuff. And awesome. He's such a showman. He set it up beautifully. Yeah. And the band couldn't have been more lovely and accommodating and gracious. Um, and we just had a blast in the UK awesome. together. And that's how the playing part of it came because he he saw what he liked about what I the sensibility I brought is having been a child performer and performing my right. whole life, even though I wasn't really active at that point. Cause I was, yeah. again, my career at that point was scoring commercials and television, doing right. sessions and doing remixes. I wasn't, there was a, but he could, he could feel that you knew. You yeah. Know, there was like 10 years there that I didn't, I didn't really perform right. much except for, you know, uh, some local clubs on occasion, just, just because I, you know. a lot of people don't realize, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe they should have, but like David was huge globally, not just in the States. So, I mean, he used to be England, Australia. I mean, even still after, after all the TV stuff had gone away, I mean, you guys were playing all over the world. Right? Yep. Yeah. Which is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I never got a chance. I mean, I saw David, but I never got a chance to see him with you guys. Um, but I mean, I love all those tunes. Yeah, he did. He did it. You know, he did a great show. And he would tell stories about the songs and give you the background to, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, running through the set. And, you know, I've said this numerous times in other public forums that I mean, he was much more like a jazz musician than a pop musician. He loved to improvise. He loved to change it up. He would change up. You know, we'd have a set list, but he would audible, change the tune if he wasn't feeling like either the crowd was with us or he was feeling it. Um, he would, uh, you know, we changed the keys. We would change, obviously, the arrangements because I, I had already started that. And then the whole band solo thing started where we each had a feature. And so what we would do is we would start playing things to kind of stump each other. Yeah. So that was really fun, you know. So yeah, I know he really he really featured you guys. I know the videos I've seen, like he made a point to like yeah. everybody got a solo, everybody got a mention, which is yeah. a lot of those guys, a lot of those stars, uh, you know, those guys, I mean, we we both played with a lot of them and uh, not all of them are as comfortable with doing that. <laughs> well, you <laughs> you have you know. way more experience than I do in that in that realm for sure. I mean, you've you've played with a lot more different people in, in that form than I have. But yes, well, to your point, yeah, most people um are not as gracious and certainly don't like like he had terry sing a song by herself i mean that's just unheard so he always did that pretender song and he got a chance to play drums and it was yeah it was fun it worked exactly yeah because he was about you know performing and entertaining and he he really got that and not a lot of people were really about that you know they were about I mean, they just stand stand there and sing. Yeah. Right. And, you you know, the expression, you know, play the ink. Right. You know, I don't I do not deviate from, you know, the, the, the chart 
And right. with him, it wasn't that way at all. We would funkify up one song and we, you know, get, you know, more kind of sexy, groovy on another song. And, you know, he, he loved like us playing with the arrangements. So yeah, it was, that's awesome. It was awesome. He was, yeah. he was a very unique person that way. And he wasn't, a lot of people get threatened by that. And <clears throat> he was never threatened, yeah. like never, awesome. never threatened. Yeah. And you, and you, I mean, you were with him really up, up until the end, right? Oh yeah. Like the you, day before he died. Yeah. 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 Cause I know you guys were, I mean, I know Terry, his drummer, who's a, both of our friends, um, Terry Quate, um, I know you guys participated in the, the A&E stuff, the, the, the television. Yeah, thing. that was shot at my studio. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's great, man. I'm glad I'm glad you have a lot of good memories of him. And, and I know he was such a uh, um, powerful performer for many years. Oh, know? yeah. And he was a real and he was a real champion of all of us. You know, like he was just a fan and wanted us to have. Um, you know, the most uh, positive experience that we could have when we were doing stuff, you know, we, and and even like the little stuff, like, you know, um, he was made sure we had our, you know, we always had our own hotel rooms. We could, we had access to people who could, would drive us around. Right. Um, Yeah. That that stuff makes it, it makes it nice. All the difference in the world. You know, there was always a per diem as a part of what we were doing. I was hearing on the road, some people, you know, not so much, or it was a little bit of a hassle or, you know, so he was, he was generous and he got it and was really supportive. And then the whole backline thing, right. I never, never had to worry about anything because it was just, I'd show up and it was just taken care of. I mean, and Frank dealt with all the logistics of that and did a great job, but, you know, again, David was really supportive of it. Like nobody had yeah. to bring their axes if they didn't. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, tell me. So I we get. To, um, I kind of went. Yeah, went we left the Remix thing. world, and we. And no, we it's okay because that's. But the David, the David. Well, with you, you know, there's a, there's a lot to cover, and with David, I mean, that's an important part of your life and 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 your legacy with him. Um, um, but yeah, just let's go back to uh, so Tracy and the Remix thing. Uh, so yeah, I met Tracy because my 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 agent Brad said, "Hey, um, I'm hosting a dinner in my uh, lunch in Miami with, you know, a whole group of people." Right. Because um, she she's based in Miami, right? She lives in Miami, and at the time, I had started working with, um, <laughs> Casey of Casey and the Sunshine Band. His real name is. Right. And I had just started working on an original song with Harry, having worked on a remix for him. Yeah. And so he was like, well, why don't you come down? Let's talk about like creative direction on this new song with Harry. Yeah. And Tracy's going to be there. And so, um, yeah, I had lunch and there was like, you know, some promoter, you know, it was kind of like this weird mix. And, you know, like the idea of just flying down to have lunch was so like odd to me. And so <laughs> But that's how told, the music world works right yeah you just gotta be you just gotta <laughs> you gotta, you gotta shake happens. hands and show up and, I, yeah. you have to like there's been lots of times and especially if you don't live in one of the epicenters like you right. know the good and the bad but at least with chicago i can get on a plane be anywhere and not too long and so that's what i do someone says let's have dinner i get on the plane and we have dinner and i don't right. i don't make a thing about it right yeah so we had we hit it off we really enjoyed each other um and um tracy and i and um 
we just started collaborating um, in the same way. I mean, she's not um, a trained musician per se, but she's a, she's a star in the DJ world. She's sure. a star in the DJ world and in her own right. She's got great ears, great A&R sensibility. Um, so we did several original songs together that came out on her Feroche label um, with an artist named Suzanne Palmer, who's iconic singer in that world. Um, we did some remixing. We did work on the ill-fated Hillary Stronger together uh, anthem. Uh, broke my heart because that song turned out great. And then, you know, we know how that how that went. Um, yeah. So um, she's been in Chicago several times. We worked on some music for a television show called Corporate Together. Oh, okay. And, and you've actually been doing um, even, well, I guess you've always been doing that along the way, but you've been doing a lot of TV and and, uh, and also uh, film scoring yeah. recently, right? Um, how did that How did that kind of come about? Was that part of related to the the remixing and the DJ, DJ kind of thing? Or Not really, that was actually. All a whole I mean, separate thing? Yeah, it was just a whole separate thing. And it came, I think it came more out of the commercial thing because, you know, when you're doing a lot of commercial work, like I was, especially in the early O's, um you know you do really high level stuff people see you people hear you because you were doing like porsche mcdonald's like some big yeah the big agencies in the coast uh as well as chicago big you know and and working on big campaigns that either i won or when i was part of a consortium of 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 composer producers they were yeah and that's high that's high competition because those are those are good very high competition because the money well the money was great when they were paying residuals i mean so in you know in the 2000s the and the and the 90s the residuals were you know that was the peak to be doing that work because now it's all you know license and buyout there's really no right yeah one-time pay you know residuals yeah sadly i guess that's the whole i mean the whole music world's kind of gone there right that's oh publishing is still strong so if you mean if you're a really successful urban artist your publishing's worth a lot um because of ascap and bmi and and all the various strengths so that's the the equivalent of what we would get if you know as players through amp of them back right. in that era now it's you know mascap and bmi still were were doing their their thing then but um you know the nature yeah, as, as artists like the publishing end of it like a lot of people i mean people have come to realize that more and more but you know a lot of these kids they get the record deals but they sign away their publishing and they're not, they're not realizing that that's actually the big money yeah i mean you know i mean fortunately even if you sign away your publishing that's only half your money but still it's half yeah. your money it's all relative yeah. and it's like athletics. You might And if you ever want to get off the road someday, that you need that. The mailbox money. <laughs> you may only have one hit, right? right. You may only yeah. have one thing that generates money for a little while. And or you may have a run of five or six years, but you're living real high on the hog and right. you can't sustain what you've got. Yeah. Up. And we've all we've we've all heard those those yeah, Hey, listen, I've been there personally. You know, I've ramped up Me and too. I, I've had to pare back. So <laughs> Yeah. I have my Cirque to Slay money, but that <laughs> Right, <laughs> that right. You did Cirque. I'm sure that was yeah. an amazing experience. 
Yeah, that you know, that's probably one of the closest things you can get to a day job for a musician where you have like a regular schedule, you got healthcare, like all that stuff. That just doesn't, as you know, it's so rare. It doesn't really exist. For well, do. Uh, yeah, that broke my heart to see that, you know, with COVID, it, they, they had to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, that's hopefully they'll they'll come back. My wife actually works with the, she does ticketing for Cirque, so hopefully that'll sort itself out. We're, we're waiting to see, but who knows? Find the spring <laughs> or the summer. Yeah, hopefully. Um, tell me about. I know you're big into collaborating, and that's actually one of the, the things you have on your site. Like, you know, if you yeah. want to collaborate, tell me tell me about your thoughts on that, and 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 how that's worked for you over the years. Um, I just you know I I love. Um, not being the only person sitting in front of uh, a screen and monitors and instruments. Right. Um, because early on when all the technology came in line and we were all like, oh my God, we can be Stevie Wonder. We can do, we can be InterVision. We can play everything. Right. And yeah. well, just because you can play everything doesn't mean you should play everything. Yeah. And you need, you need the different influences, a different input, right? right? To get the different, you need all the different ingredients. Otherwise, you end up with a flat soda pop. <laughs> yeah, and and I loved, and I was really blessed. Um, I had a really long, like I had like a twenty year stretch, where you know the studio that I still have in the city, um, I, you know I was able to hire musicians multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. People coming in and playing my charts um, for commercials during the day, and then doing you know, album oriented stuff in the evenings. Mm. Um, and that was like my favorite experience of all is just, you know, everybody getting together in the control room, listening to the demo of the song, looking over the chart and with ideas and brainstorming around ideas and singing each other yeah. stuff. And, you know, my buddy, you know, who might be the guitar player in that session, but hey, what do you think about flat? And, the bass player pick up the bass and, you know, everybody just kind of sits around and I'd be, or I'd be at the piano or, you know, whatever. I pick up a guitar and sing them something, you know, whatever it yeah, was. There's a, there's a, there's a magic to that, right? Love it. Yeah. That's that to me is, you know, where really great stuff happens. And, um, I, you know, and do you I, you find a lot of producers that are, are open to the idea or is it, what's your thought on that? Like, is it seems like some guys have a, it's maybe different styles. Like some people come in with everything, ideas, everything's already laid out and some guys are willing to collaborate or. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think a lot of times that exactly, I think it's, it's, I think it's your frame of reference. I mean, if you really are controlling in your artistic vision and you want to execute it a very specific way, not good, not bad. That's just how you're wired, and that's just what you're doing. Then that that dictates a certain type of vibe. Um, I was so not that. Um, I started off with lots of ink and realized I'm hiring this, you know, world, you know, this world class person, you know, this fantastic, you know, I'm, I'm hiring these really fantastic people to come and work with me. So the the collaboration came in is okay. It's like what Miles, like, I don't know if you've seen the, any of the documentaries or anything about the way Miles yeah. did blue and great, right? Yeah, and I've actually interviewed a lot of the guys that used to play with Miles, and they, we talk about that. You okay. can actually, on some, so, of the, on some of the records, you can hear him directing the band right. in the recording. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and, you know, he's got some changes, and he's got some melodies, and yeah. he's got some ideas, but it's like, let's throw everybody in the room and see what happens. Yeah. And with, I mean, all, like you said, all world-class guys. That have with great to bring. musicians, that's right. been great. And, and 
sometimes not. You know, sometimes it's just it falls apart. And then that's where the producer part comes in. You got to like know when to pull the plug and go, okay, that wasn't a good idea. We're going to go in this direction. Let's do this. Right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. And then depending on the artist you're working with, you know, some artists are very persnickety. It has to be like down to like where, not only the microphone you're using, where the microphone is placed, what, what the lights are, are there candles, what like what's in the room, can anybody be in the room? I mean, like, you know. Green M&Ms. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. And I saw that yeah. firsthand. That was like... <laughs> That was it. Yeah, we've all we've all experienced some that of that. That was stuff. an eye-opening experience to be backstage for that motherfucker. Yeah. 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 Um, I've been pretty, you know, I've been, I think I've been like, I think you have too. We've been pretty lucky and pretty blessed to work with some great people that that I think trust is a big part of that as a producer. They have to trust you to bring in. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to trust the artists that they're gonna come in and show up prepared. And oh, it's all kind of it's, it's a collaboration at it. And it's so it's so intimate. You know, you can't. You know, that's why I started engineering, at least, you know, a lot of my own stuff was um, at least, you know, more vocal sessions, because that's like the most vulnerable someone can be is when they're singing right. people in the room. And I got to and they got they got three guys sitting there listening to them sing. Yeah, I just started doing those as closed sessions like, no, nah, no one's here. Let let whoever it is figure out what their character is and what their story is. And they got to be able to tell it without, you know, all the, yeah. the other jazz going on around them. Because when people are just sitting around, you know, whatever. So, right. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, that's, that's more of like my favorite thing to do is to, because it, it's all about casting is casting like the right group of people for the right situation putting the right mix together putting them in the room i mean definitely having a roadmap definitely having a vision but within that vision having a lot of open space for them to bring to it what they do and then and then you know you can pair it back or you can have them open it up right you now so um i might say hey this base part is great but can you give me you know can you simplify it by 80 percent and then in this transition to this section, let's try this. And maybe in the outro, instead of going to, you know, this kind of more double time feel, you know, if you could give me, you know, more quarter, kind of a quarter note with some ghost stuff. Right. Let the let drummer, let the drummer, you know, pick up some of the accents and some of the syncopation. And then the guitar player can slide in here. And so that's some of the language that I like to use because I'm not saying no on the E and the A uh, of bar three. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. third beat. I want you. Yeah. You know, you know. And I you're, the players are already good. You just, you're just trying to get them. You know, when we're sitting there. I'm like, I'm like marking up my chart because it's, you know I'm on the talk back with someone, and they're like, okay, okay, and 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 then then when you go to play it, like being in the chair as the player, it's like I'm thinking about making making my shit accurate, but. It, it definitely it still, has to, still has to groove and find yeah because exactly. i'm focused on you know making yeah. my hitting the notes as opposed to yeah i got to get the feel of this to feel good and just, well you know that's i mean if you listen to the old motown stuff or or, or yeah, that kind of that going, era exactly. like a lot of the a lot of the the charm and the magic actually was little things that were maybe not quite in time or maybe it was a little sideways but actually yeah, it was really cool yeah like, you know, 
Yeah, it was a little it was a little floaty, and that's why it felt good. And they were responding to like the vocal that was happening. And yeah. a lot of times everybody got in there and just did it like as a live performance, right? And that was the other what, thing. What would be um coming like coming to present day like what would be your advice to people that want to get into doing remixing get, get into that world um what, what's your thoughts on that well i mean there's so many um opportunities online i mean people just sharing yeah. acapella vocals i mean and even using zoom and things like this right that's, yeah that's exactly cool. and 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 young people that are you know are what are now called beat makers or bedroom producers, right. <clears throat> you know, take a vocal, you throw it in the computer and you're putting different stuff up against it. So the way you make a name for yourself is, you know, you got to have your own little twist to it. Right. So you'll, and that's what I mean. You'll see these blips where if someone will do something, this record will go crazy, but they can't replicate it. Or, and then someone else, who's got a little more talent and a little more foresight, you know, will build on it and then write a song around that. And it's an original song and that original song starts doing something. And then someone asks them to, you know, rework their thing. But, you know, it's, it's much more weighted, believe it or not, more on the original the remix. You know, at that time when I was coming into it, the remix thing was a big deal, paid a lot of money when you got it. And once you got into that circle of people, just like anything, I was like, okay, you know, you're, you were one of the yeah, you're building building your name. You were one of the preferred vendors. Now it's, you know, technology leveled everything out. You know, there isn't a lot of um, um, reason on a business level to remix, but it's a great thing to do in still in terms of your career and. Yeah. The, and, and creativity, right? And the, right, and and the, and the challenge of right taking an iconic band or an iconic artist off, you know, a singer and, you know, putting your, what you do on it and it, and it gets noticed and it definitely generates other opportunities and connections. And I think too, like maybe with, with outlets like YouTube and even, even like TikTok and these kind of things, like it's really changed the world for that. Right. Yeah, as far I mean, as getting your stuff out there and getting heard. Yep. And I mean, it probably, I mean, it's really true of all, all, you know, singer songwriters, kind of every genre, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and some people have built their career from, from, I mean, you know, DJ Khaled, prime yeah. example, his Snapchats right. were less about the music and more about the person and the entertainment. And then you went and found what he was doing right. almost like as an addendum as opposed. So it's like, there's so many different ways that. Yeah. Um, and the public kind of decides what they like in, at the end of the day. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the great, no, that's the great democracy of, of the whole music thing. Yeah. Well, and you know, you and I, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen these like, you know, YouTube videos of these kids that have mind blowing techniques, right. but they have spent their, you know, everything is done in this bubble that you and I are talking about. Yeah. And they're in their bedroom In yeah. their bedroom and you put them <laughs> on a stage in front of 8,000 people. Good luck with that. Or you right. put them in yeah. a club, you know, um, some jazz prodigy and put them in a club at Ronnie's, you know, go play Ronnie Scott's for a couple right. hours and then tell me how that's. But people going. sitting, sitting like two, two feet from you. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a the very, great, the great equalizer. Yeah. And, 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 and I've been, you know, on both sides of that fence, you know, so I, right. I, I get it, but you know, and it's amazing. Some of the stuff I've seen, you know, I mean, you know, you've got, 
you know, um, in that world, especially like, you know, you've got the Jacob Colliers and there was some French girl I saw the other day, someone showed me how she's like 20, she's playing with Ariana Grande, but she's playing Domi, which is like mind blowing technique. Um, and, and obviously, and just these little kids too, right? I mean, you see that not only, I mean, instrumentalists, but also remixing, like mixing. Yep. Because all these resources yeah. are completely available to you. And so yeah. the whole thing in that regard has gotten elevated. But definitely what's missing, if you compare it to what preceded it, is what you and I were just talking about. A lot of these people are not, you know, getting together or not everybody, but again, people who spend a fair amount of time coming up in the bubble. Right. You know, it's that's where that 10,000 hours is. Like yeah. For 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 our generation, it was inseparable. You didn't get heard or seen. You didn't have a career unless you came up and were able to play and right. support yourself in a certain way. And do it do it for real. And do it for real. Yeah. You know, as as one as a band leader used to say to me, you know, live in front of people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get it. I got to be able to do it live in front of people, yeah. not in the practice room. Exactly. Like, not, not in your bedroom. <laughs> you're like one of those trained classical prodigies. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I wasn't a prodigy. Second of all, don't lord that over me. This is, you know, this is just, this is just, yeah. a, no, no, no pressure, right? Yeah. This is, this is, this is just a gig. I think we're all going to be okay. They're not coming to hear me play Rachmaninoff. Yeah, no, nobody's going to lose a finger, hopefully. <laughs> right. And they're not trying to, you know, not here to hear me, my interpretation of giant, giant steps or yeah, whatever, right. right? So truth be told, I can play my parts and fit in with the rhythm section and make stuff feel good and sing my background parts if you want me to sing. And it's all Hey, good. you know what? That That's the important stuff. I mean, that's all. I mean, really, as a, people ask me, like, what does it take to be a working musician? I'm like, that's it. What you just said. Show up, be nice, play the parts. Right. <laughs> you know, no drama. It's really, it's no more difficult than that. <laughs> no. And, and, and fit in and make what you do feel good and make yeah. everybody better because you are a part of the experience and not, trying to dominate the experience you're not yeah you know, exactly and if you're the artist you know and we've all worked for people who are really rugged and you have a tense you know vibe in the band and it definitely comes out in the in the experience and then that's what i loved about playing with david is you know we got up on stage we all loved each other we all had a blast together and yeah. people really really enjoyed that experience when that happened and yeah and they had, I mean, his fans love, I mean, they still love him, but they loved him. They loved you guys. Oh, yeah. They there was a very supportive fan. Oh, my God. It's still, it's just, you know, it's been three years since he's been gone and you just think yeah. it was yesterday. I and mean, then people are still so Because yeah. the music, I mean, the music lives on, you know. Some stuff does, you know, and yeah. you think about how much doesn't, right? Right. Exactly. Like really doesn't live beyond right. like it's. You know, it's kind of, you know, in it's a hit, it's a hit and it goes away and you don't really remember who did it. And especially in the pop world and especially in the dance music world, it's so disposable. Yeah. And that stuff, I mean, you've played with a lot of iconic musicians. So, I mean, you know, you've played all those classic hits with a lot of different. Yeah. Well, they always, you know, they always say if you're lucky enough to have a hit, you're going to be playing it for the next 40 years. So. <laughs> You better, you better come to grips with that. <laughs> or, or the next 40 years. 
Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, David had so many had so many hits, so many iconic hits uh, on his own, the Partridge Family, all that stuff. So, yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, what What are your um, What's your current and future things going on? What What projects do you have coming? Um, so right now, I'm scoring uh, a series for CNN called Dark Is the Night. It's a docudrama series, six one hour episodes. I, I oh. don't know. I think that's coming out. I think it's going to be first quarter uh of next year so we'll see how that how that plays out um and then my uh my project that has been dormant because of covid um but ralphie and i signed to a small label with our project and uh, we call ourselves the shamanic and the shamanic yeah. is right we, yeah i saw your uh your, your my blurb and, yeah, yeah yeah so we we joked we were the we were the you know the the medicine the musical medicine man and we were the B two B guys like the public yeah. didn't know us but you know we, it's cool I mean what you guys are work. doing is really is really interesting it, it's really fun stuff and that's what we wanted to do we wanted to create happy uplifting inspiring music based on like from the Chicago tip no one's done it in a long time right so it's Which is a certain it's gospel, a certain vibe it's blues it's jazz. It's soul, and then it's some of it's got like we've got a couple of tracks that are really totally swingy, like Mancini cocktails, you know, sixties vibe. Yeah, um, and it's nice. It's nice to have the freedom to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. So that project is it's coming right. out, and we awesome. we're doing bit We've done one. We've done several music videos for the first single, which is called Fire, and then we're working on our second music video for that. Um, the hope was to start to do some, you know, small festival tours to kind of get the awareness out because we're kind of in between some stuff. Um, and, you know, we're not a Calvin Harris or a Diplo. I mean, we're not young and pretty. We're not going to hold down, you know, one of the <laughs> cool side Vegas venues yeah. where we're, you know, you see us getting a million bucks a night. That's not going to happen. We're, right. we're past But, that. you know, what? And, about yeah. the music, I mean, the music speaks and it's, and it's good stuff. Um, and I think that there's there's a place sort of for everybody at the table, right? You never know. You yeah. got to do you got to do what you love. And and the bottom line for me, what's become more important, especially as time has gone on, <laughs> it's who you're doing it with. Right. And, exactly. And I could be doing a lot of different kinds of stuff because I've floated in and out of all of it: classical, mm-hmm. to jazz, to soul, to funk, to urban, to blah 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 blah, and. Ralphie and I have a blast together. He's technically not a musician even. And, and that's what's so fun about it is I'm going to play instruments. He's going to be spinning tracks. We're going to have guest vocalists coming. It's going to be yeah. like kind of an interesting kind of. So you have a lot of freedom. And yeah, it's going to be a show. And, and there's other people doing things like it in the, you know, the EDM world. So it's cool. There's a precedent for it, but they're not doing it like we're doing it because we're coming at it from, um, which is ironic for me to say this, but a little more from a traditional perspective, meaning it's yeah. a little more rooted in the music and less in the technology. Right. And, yeah. and, and there's, you know, I mean, there's, a, and we'll see. that's where the soul is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm still writing music for commercials. So periodically, um, you know, I'm doing stuff that, that pops out on that tip. Um, I write songs for television shows and, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I just did a big round of pitches for a bunch of stuff that's coming online. Yeah. 
so we'll see what sticks and what doesn't usually. If you what's the, what's yeah. the best way that people that might want to collaborate with you or, or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to, uh, to touch base with you? Um, you know, my Insta feed, Craig J. Snyder, message me is a great way to go. Facebook, same thing, Craig J. Snyder. Yeah, LinkedIn, which yeah, we yeah, or, or LinkedIn, yeah, there. LinkedIn. I'm yeah. I'm on LinkedIn too, and those are those are great ways to to connect with me for sure. Yeah, we sort of all have to have our a multiple gazillion different pages. Oh my god, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> it gets over. It gets a little overwhelming. <laughs> a little overwhelming. Yeah, I know. I actually, you know, like people, some people play video games. I actually enjoy doing the social media stuff because I see. I I went as soon as I. Which is funny to mention, but when I first saw MySpace, I'm like, I get it because I grew up in LA playing in clubs and doing that whole pr promotion thing. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I get exactly what that is, and I get the power of it. And and that's with what we do as musicians, as artists, with what you're doing with with your artists and that kind of thing. I mean, it's just a game changer because now we don't have to go through a label, right? We no. can get all the stuff out there. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, with 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 licensing and commercial to, to all the various media and streaming, even though streaming isn't going to, you know, necessarily put a lot of money in your pocket, but if you do it right, you but can it gets make, you out there. Yeah. It gets you out there. You can make some with merchandising and other. You know, I've been watching these seminars about YouTube, which I didn't know a lot about, but apparently you can do, if you, if you can get your traffic up, you can make good money from YouTube. So it's, on the one hand, it, what the, the toughest part is, is you got to create structure for yourself. But once right. you figure it out and you figure out how to feed it, and as long as it's like really who you are, yeah, you know, people do very well by it and it's sustainable once they figure that part out and that's the hard right. thing to get over but once you get over it you know and it's not just the music tip it's you're a young filmmaker a young graphic artist young whatever and, and I think, it you know, all ties yeah it all ties in i i think you you know wherever you are in your life and that's what we've started to do you know we're starting to create content ralphie and i for our shamanic project where we're just you know, talking about what we do and we're, and yeah, we're, you could bring in, you could bring in filmmakers, you could yeah. bring in young guys that, that are, have creative ideas and yeah. it's fun. Like it, it, it comes back to the whole collaboration thing. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about and their, their social, their social media presence feeds yours. It, it all works together. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Just be open to, to, you know, it's chaos theory. You just got to be open to what it is and where it comes from. Who knows? Right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're always you're a super busy guy, and we we stay in touch online. And um, I really I really admire what you've accomplished. And and uh, and besides all that, you're a good guy, which I think that that also is important, right? In this whole music craziness, <laughs> is to be a decent person that people want to oh, hang out with. You got that right. Oh my god. Yeah, because we both experienced. Oh so. yeah. The ups and the downs for sure, and and, and especially you know, as you know, as as a live performer trying to you know ride out the COVID era, it's very challenging. Right. Yeah, it's been particularly challenging for yeah. sure. Um, well, thank thanks so much, Craig. Um, yeah, thanks let's, for having uh, me. It was awesome. Well. Awesome. Absolutely. And and it's it's my pleasure. And I'm, we're going to make sure we put links up to all your um, ways people can get a hold of you, your social media pages and all that kind of thing. So people can check that out. And I encourage people to find you. Um, you have a lot of your stuff posted also on mix, mixkitchen.com. I'm on mixkitchen.com. I'm one of the uh, Lander featured uh, producers. They just launched a service for production services. So if you're on Lander and you need 
some help on that tip. Um, you know, my my examples are up there, and, awesome. and I'm collaborating yeah, with artists on that platform too, helping get yeah. you know them produce or mix stuff. And people are reaching out to me to just mix too. So it's you know right. sometimes I'm producing, sometimes I'm just mixing their stuff or yeah, doing some keyboard parts. Where and and we can work on Zoom now. That's what's amazing, you know, with the screen right. share and. Yep. And different ways of monitoring, you know, it's all like we can all be where we are. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a whole new world. And thank God for because of COVID, we were able to keep in touch and do this. Yeah, well, it was, things, just, right? it was just at that point where we could, you know, um, right. a year or two earlier, maybe not so much, but. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all really changed a lot in the last year for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, cool, man. Have a great night in Chicago. And, thank you. Uh, Have a good. Are you I'll in Vegas? For- yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, enjoying enjoying the sort of warm weather. Yeah, the sort of warm weather is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. But uh all right, cool, man. Thank you so much. Great and uh, everybody, everybody, please, please check out Craig uh, Jay's stuff online. There's lots of it there. And then the remixes are really awesome. So I encourage you to do that. Cool, Thank cool, you. man. Have a great night. Thanks. Ciao. Thanks for joining us and please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.